Welcome to Beauty and the Brain, the podcast on all things medical aesthetics. We're here today to spill the tea on some things that I know you guys are interested in. That is, how do you choose your aesthetic injector? So I'm joined by co-host and my husband, Jerry, a family nurse practitioner, and our nurse practitioner in the office, Allie Ballou. So we've kind of uh, went the the realm of things. We uh, took classes and started our injector practice about 15 years ago, and then Allie's joined us, and she's been with us a, a little over a year now. And so we're going to go over today. Uh, how did how do we choose a medical injector? How do we choose someone that that we're going to hire? And uh, you know, from Allie's perspective, uh, what is the the training that uh, she's received, and how do you choose an aesthetic injector when you're out there evaluating all the choices on the market? I think that's becoming harder and harder because I think there are more people that are offering these services. Um, there's uh, nurse practitioners all over that um, some states now have independent practice or family nurse practitioners even have uh, the potential for independent practice in the state of Florida. And so we have a lot of, just in our area. Fortunately, Pensacola is blessed with some really good injectors, but then also outside of that, you also have people that are injecting now that are dentists and um, we teach and train in other states. Some states, estheticians can um, can do injectables. So, you know, I don't think that a person's profession necessarily makes them good or bad. I think some of the estheticians are phenomenal injectors. Certainly dentists are phenomenal injectors and nurse practitioners can be, but it all goes back to me is like, what qualifies you to do injectables um, or laser treatments or whatever aesthetics we're talking about. So I think it's hard. I think it's getting, I think it's getting more difficult and I think it'll continue to get more difficult. So how did you choose, first time you got Botox, how did you decide who you were coming to? Well, I personally knew Dr. Crowley from working with him in the ICU and so I came to see you. <laughs> And you're the only person who's ever injected me. <laughs> so I had it pretty easy. Um, no, but I think, um, like you said, obviously you want somebody that's qualified, who has had good training and who also, I think does this for a living. In my opinion, like I want to go to somebody who does this all day, every day is seeing maximum amounts of patients and knows the maximum amount of what can happen, complications, safety procedures, all of those things. Um, I think somebody that does it for their full-time job more times than not um, is just going to have more experience and is going to, you know, know more about the procedures. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of us, we've, we've talked about this on probably almost every previous episode about the influence of social media. And so that's how a lot of people are, are deciding. And so, um, you know, there's social media out there, but there's also reviews. I think to me personally, word of mouth is so important. And I think that's how Chris and I really built Skin and Tonic or JDCC originally, how we built our practice to what we are today. And we have patients that have now been with us for, for years. And I think that's probably the way that our business grew the most was simply from from word of mouth. But how, when you go somewhere, if you don't know someone personally, how do you vet the person that's doing your injectable? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, uh, good for us, though, to even talk about how we got started, right? And so 
um, you know, we could give you a recipe on how you could choose somebody, but not everyone follows that exact path. So I, I think if you look at my training, I'm uh, board certified in anesthesia and critical care medicine. I trained at two um, well-known uh, institutions at Rush University and Northwestern in Chicago. And so when people say, how did you venture into the aesthetics industry? How did you ever start injecting, you know, the uh, Botox or fillers? Uh, I, th I think that's a great question and it's not something you would typically think of. But what uh, we see is that this field is something that opens itself up to a variety of medical professionals um, to enter into it and, and really kind of learn that craft and learn that technique. As we talked about in our, uh, our first episode actually, was that you were first interested in pursuing a career in aesthetics as a registered nurse at the time. And I just kind of, you know, was tagging along with you to take the class. And then it's something that I really uh, had a passion for and I loved. And so we took more classes, but at that time, and uh, you know, we weren't doing this full time. So I do think that a full-time position um, certainly gives you your experience in a shorter time frame. So we could have compressed that to a much shorter period of time, but you were doing this in Chicago. We were doing some Botox parties on the side, but it took us uh, a quite a while. We grew our business a lot slower than um, some of the startups that we see now. And I think that's because we weren't doing this all the time. We were seeing kind of groups of patients, but we we're only seeing them kind of in a condensed time frame. And then we had other jobs that we were having to do to kind of uh, you know, pay the bills while we were building the practice. I mean, it's a pricey, a pricey industry to get in to, to start. And so, you know, unfortunately, some people aren't able to do it full time. And that, you know, that kind of leads into, um, we, we get this in every class about Botox parties. And that's the way a lot of people start. And so I don't think that it necessarily discredits anyone. You'll hear different, this is probably a really controversial subject actually between injectors because I don't think the Botox parties are necessarily controversial. Um, I think that you can inject people in a lot of different um, situations as long as you use like an aseptic or sterile technique depending on what you're doing and so um, I think as long as you it goes back to vet your provider is it someone that's been properly trained someone that has the safety mechanisms in place if something does go go wrong because it can especially with um, some of these dermal fillers and so you know I think those are questions that are fair for people to ask um, their provider. And are they using um, FDA approved products? Yeah like you know are, are your are your products from from the states are they FDA approved and you know why are you able to offer such reduced prices if it's it, usually if there's a red flag then I personally wouldn't go there so many of you guys know I'm the chief medical officer of Empire Medical Training which is a large aesthetic training company and um, Jerry and Allie both are instructors um, as well we are uh, also a gain trainer for Calderma uh, Jerry's done training for MERS before. So we've kind of seen this from the beginning when we were just learning how to inject and doing things like Botox parties and, you know, growing into a, a large practice now with multiple providers, multiple injectors. And it's definitely harder in the beginning. So when you're first starting out and just doing a low volume or a low number of providers, the products cost a lot of money. And, and so they're expensive for us to get from the manufacturer. So some of these uh, you know, newer practices that are open, when I see prices that are advertised that are lower than the actual price that we can actually buy the medication, that's a red flag to us. But we know that from kind of being on the inside 
I think that's hard as a consumer because you're looking at that and you're saying, hey, that's a great price and let me go and get this, you know, product. So Ali, you kind of talked a little bit about getting your products from, you know, an FDA approved source. Um, you know, how would a consumer know that? That's kind of hard. Um, I guess, you know, just asking the provider, you know, what products are you using, doing your research on those products, um, you know, knowing, you know, what's okay, you know, to put in a face and what's not okay to put in a face. And it is hard for the consumer, I think, but anybody can do, you know, a quick Google search on like a brand of a product, I think, and, you know, go through and see, you know, is this FDA approved? Is this something? Talk to your friends and family too, that have gotten aesthetic procedures. Is this normal? Is what do you pay for this? You know, and if it's a super, super, super low price, you know, that's when you need to start asking questions. Another thing to consider is almost every company now offer some type of reward system for their patients. So, you know, we have Aspire and Alley and Polinium has a has one and Mars now has one. And so um, I think that the, if they're able to offer you the the points or the the perks of that, then very likely it, it is an approved product. And um, and so I think that's a fair question to ask. Um, as Ali said, I, I think a Google search for a, a medical license is really easy to do or a, a nursing license. But I also think it's fair to ask your provider direct questions. I'm never offended if somebody asks me where I was trained or how long have you been doing this or, you know, and um, kind of, I guess, picking on dentist a little bit. I have people say, you know, can you believe that my dentist is even offering you know, neuromodulators now, and I would a thousand percent trust, I mean, they know the facial anatomy as well as, or better than, you know, anyone. So I think um, as long as there's proper training, safety measures in place and the appropriate um, products, then, you know, that's, that's how I would choose my provider. Yeah, so I think obviously when we entrust ourselves to medical care from anyone, um, you're having to, to trust that there's some degree of transparency and honesty. So I think simply asking the provider, where do they get their products? Are they approved for uh, distribution in the U.S.? Because if they Google some of this, um, what you'll find is that many of these things are labeled the same. And so they may have the same name, they may be labeled the same, but they're not actually approved for distribution in the U.S. And even uh, some of the providers that may be listening to this podcast, um, it's easy for you to get confused as to what you're being offered. So I know that every week we get offers and advertisements from different sorts of uh, companies that say, hey, you can get your product and, you know, Wrestling, Juvederm, all the major brands, right? They'll say it's the same thing and it has the same name and you can get it from us and it'll be like a half or maybe even a third of the price that we get it through our approved distribution channels. And so, you know, that should throw up a red flag. Like how is this product entering the U.S.? Are, <clears throat> are you an approved distribution source of that product? For the product is an important way to make sure that you are getting what is approved for distribution in the U.S. The other thing to be concerned with is we all have to start somewhere. And so, you know, longevity in the industry is not necessarily what makes someone really good nor makes someone really bad. And so I think, again, you know, proper training, um, appropriate product use, knowing how to how to handle complications as they come up um, are, are fair questions to ask. And so I've been asked several times, like, you know, you look so young, how can you do this? <laughs> so, 
not really, but, um, <laughs> right. Um, but uh, it says the baby in the room, but, um, you know, we have continued, we've been doing this for 15 years now. And like, I cannot tell you the amount of money that we spend on training and we continue to do that. And every time I go to a training, I learn something. I think I, I did two last month. And then we also continue to teach. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, that really validates what your injectors do. And um, I'm not saying that you have to be an instructor with a major company, but when you are instructing and teaching and training on the new trends, it makes you stay on your toes. It keeps you up on your game and it keeps you up on what is, what's current, what's safe, what's going to cause us problems down the road. So Ali, what have you found the most exciting? I mean, you've entered this now. It's kind of, we can remember those things, but it's been a while since we started. So for you, what's been the most challenging, the most exciting things that you've uh, kind of experienced over the last uh, year that you've been working full-time in our clinic? Most exciting is, well, I think the thing I feel best about is the training that I've had. Maybe that's not excitement, but the thing I feel good about is knowing that I have either you or Jerry in the clinic with me most days. Um, not as many now that I'm well-trained, but um, at the beginning, and it was just like starting slow, I think for me was so important. It wasn't like I felt like I got everything thrown on me at once. You know, you can go to these like big conferences and instructions and you know, you'll see, you may take you know, multiple classes, but I love taking it kind of one thing at a time and fully learning something before moving on to the next thing, practicing that thing while I'm moving on to learning the next. And so that's made me feel super secure in my injections and super safe. Um, the most exciting thing I think was lip filler. That's a boring answer, but, um, it's just, not boring, right? Everybody loves lip filler, right? So it's one of our most commonly requested procedures. Maybe it's only more boring for us because like, we know how much we do it in the office. So it seems like a boring answer, but it's never boring to me. I love doing it every time. Um, yeah, so that's been the most exciting thing. And I think also like being an outsider to the aesthetics world originally, I think I didn't think about all the collagen stimulating procedures and I do a lot of our energy based devices at the clinic. And I think that's not something that I ever thought of, especially as a younger person, because you, you hear about Botox, you hear about fillers, you hear about all of these things and it's not always as advertised or pushed on the younger crowd. I feel like the energy based devices and collagen stimulating things that we can do. Yeah. For those of you who, who haven't seen us in the practice or are new to listening uh, to the podcast, um, just a little background on Allie. I'm going to brag on her for a minute because um, I've worked with her for, for many years. So just out of, um, you know, when she got her first job in the, the ICU. And over that time, uh, Jerry and I have had lots of people who have applied for positions in the office and lots of uh, people that we could have chosen to, to work with and train. And we really opted not uh, to do that for a while. We kind of kept, we did have other people that helped us, but they were um, nurses or estheticians and we kept all the injectables to ourselves. And so we really waited until we felt that we had someone kind of perfect. And I don't even think you were thinking about going into aesthetics. You were thinking of going into the ICU, ICU at the time. Yeah. So, you know, I was Allie's preceptor throughout her nurse practitioner training in the hospital setting and really kind of appreciated the, uh, your attention to detail, the rapport that she would have with the patient. She really was thorough with her examination. She was great with handling, you know, difficult families. And so, um, although she didn't have experience in the aesthetic field, I 
talked to Jerry about it, we had a conversation, and it was something uh, you know that we saw as a valuable um, addition to our, our team at Skin and Tonic, and we we're fortunate that she chose to join us, and I think we've uh, never looked back on that decision. It was hard. It was a hard decision because for years it was one of the two of us that was injecting, and so we, we trained together, I think, I don't know if we ever at that point had done a class apart. I mean, um, clearly we, you know, we had different practice techniques, but we both were trained the same. We both knew how to handle complications. We both treat pretty conservatively and it's really hard to invite somebody else into our baby because that's, that's what it's been. And it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that once we got Allie in and she's just been a perfect fit for us. And, you know, the the rapport with patients, I think, is one of the things that we've all seen a, a, a provider of some sort, whether a primary care doctor or a pharmacist even, or we've all had some person that we weren't comfortable with. But when someone's putting needles in your face or giving you a plan, like, you know, we didn't ever plan to see a patient once for Botox or once for filler. Like my plan is when somebody walks through the front door at Skin and Tonic, they're ours for years. And so that's what we want is, and that's what I think all providers should think about. And I think all patients should think about also is this is a relationship, it's not a Botox treatment and or a filler treatment. And so I think if you take and you put it in that perspective, you start building trust. And that to me is the way that you choose your provider. Whether it's somebody that's looking for a first time treatment or somebody looking to hire a new um, person to help them in their clinic, I think it's all built on trust. And that sounds cliche and sounds easy, but it's really hard. Like we were fortunate that Chris had the inside, you know, knowledge on Allie and he knew all of her strengths and knew her weaknesses. And so- um, What weaknesses? I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, no, 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 no weaknesses. I feel so like blessed. I mean, every day, like when I go to work, being excited to go to work is such a blessing to me. And I still feel so incredibly lucky that y'all trusted me. Cause like you said, I mean, it's your baby and I could have came in and been like crazy and reckless and, you know, you never know, but I think it's great that like, you know, we did have like a relationship before I started working with you guys and for Jerry being willing to train me literally every second of every day. We spend, I know more time sometimes than you two spend together. So we spend a lot of time together. And so it's just been great. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time uh, somebody that I graduated with asked me how I got into aesthetics, I wouldn't have to work. So um, I know it's a very desirable position and, you know, something that everybody's super interested in and, um, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the medical side of things can get into like a toxic environment. And I'm just super blessed that I was able to get out of that and into the world of aesthetics. Yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's fun, a fun feel. It's so like, fun. I mean, it really is. It's fun. And no, there's never a day that's the same. You know, my, my day can be filled. I can have 14 Botox patients or Dysport patients on my schedule. And they never are just that simple.
And we actually really do, like, you know, it's not like going to work for us, right? We love our patients. Like, we have such fun people in our practice, and I think you build a practice, and depending if you build that trust with the patients, and they share their lives with you, they really let us into their lives, and, you know, we, we laugh about it sometimes, and they even tell us, they're like, that's probably more than you wanted to hear about us, but, um, you know, it really is fun that they get to share that with us, and we build that relationship, and that helps us come up with these long-term treatment plans, so we're not just filling a wrinkle or pumping a cheek. Um, we're really saying, what are your overall aesthetic goals and how can we help you accomplish that and maintain it over a long period of time? So let's jump a little bit into training. So there's a lot of different ways that uh, people can receive training if they're interested in going to aesthetics. And I think we see in a lot of areas, and, and I'll use our particular area um, you know, as an example, some months we have eight to 10 new injectors entering this space. And, um, you know, they're, they're, a lot of people view them as our competitors. And I get asked often, like, oh, did you hear so-and-so is doing this? Aren't you worried about, you know, they're right down the street from you. Um, so, Jerry, what's, what's your take when people ask you about all the new people entering the industry? I always tell Chris, I was like, it's, it's the community. It's not a competition. This is not a competition. It's about the community. And then we were at Amspa and someone talked to him. And I was like, dang, I missed it. I should have I should, I gotten, I should have done this. But, um, but I truly feel like that. I can't tell you, probably not a day goes by that, certainly not a week goes by that I don't hear from at least one injector in town that either has a question or I ask a question. And I feel certain also, you know, we have, um, like we've had a couple of work dinners, if you want to call it that, um, recently by some of the different products um, the reps have done in our area. And it's really good because several of us know each other from social media. We know each other because we all share patients. Any way you look at it, you know, I'm going to have somebody that's not a perfect fit for Allie. Allie's going to have someone that's not a perfect fit for me. Chris is some of the other ladies in town or injectors in town. And so, you know, we have to be able to work with all of these different patient personalities, but we also need the, that community for when there is a complication or there is a, I just had a, a patient recently and I've reached out to everyone. Um, any of you on my social media have, have seen this particular patient that, um, you know, just looking for help with dissolving some filler that's not so dissolvable. And so um, I think it's really nice to be able to have those uh, new people joining because they bring sometimes new people bring new knowledge. And so that's kind of my thought on it is they're not uh, they're not my competition. You know, we have some that are, they're like right there with us, but but as far as like any type of bitterness or anything, like. No, no, I think it's great. I think it's, it's, it's something we can learn from each other. We can support each other and we can all grow and um, succeed. And it's all really about, uh, yeah, we want a successful business in the long run, but it's also about taking care of patients, right? And uh, and this is one of the few fields where you can venture into that competition. I mean, don't think necessarily about the cardiologist competing with each other, right? I mean, there's a bunch of them in, in town and they all take care of the, their own individual patients. And we're kind of the same way. So, I, you know, I hope that the patients that are uh, coming into our practice, they, they and many of them do continue to see us because not only do they know they're uh, in, in skilled hands and that, that we've had a, adequate training, but we're taking that approach where we're building that rapport with them uh, over time. So, Ali, how do you deal with, um, you know, patients when they call? And really, their main focus is price. And they, they want to talk about, you know, well, I, I called down the street a block or two, and 
this this procedure is going to be fifty dollars less there. Um, why should I come to you? I think definitely credentialing yourself first and foremost, and then reiterating also to the client, their potential client, that safety is our the forefront of our practice as well as results. And so to me, when I'm choosing where I'm going to go and who's going to be injecting me and touching my face, I mean, it's your face, right? I mean, it's very important. Um, it's going to be safety number one results number two and price is the third, the last thing on my list of concerns, because I mean, it's your face. That's what people see you as. And it's, you know, it's not something to take lightly. Do you ever, um, you know, take offense or do you feel, you know, guarded or defensive if a patient asks you about our emergency protocols or what supplies do we have on hand if something goes wrong? No, I like to be, you know, very upfront with my patients and telling them, A, the risks, like that's the first thing I want to go over with any procedure that we're doing. And then B is going to be, you know, what we can do if something goes wrong. And I think that, and when you said take offense, I thought you were going to go to something else. So just to touch on that, um, I thought you were going to say take offense to like people who offer what we offer, but cheaper or because so, I recently had that happen to me. They're like, oh, there's this great deal, you know, down the road. And I said, you know, I won't be offended because she almost came to me asking for almost permission, it seems like, because she had seen me before for, the, for laser hair removal. And I told her, I said, honestly, like, it's a great deal. I would make sure that it's safe, that the device is safe, that they know what they're doing, you know, and I told her some questions that she can ask to be able to compare their device to ours, their provider to me. And I told her, I said, you know, if, and if that's what you want to do, like, go do it. And then if it doesn't work out, come back and see me. Like, I'm not going to blame you at all. It's a great deal. And so I think that you know, sometimes that's just part of it. Sometimes yeah. people. I mean, can I love that. And, 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 you know, I think that we've kind of shared that with you from the beginning. Like, we have patients, and sometimes they tell us, and I'm like, hey, it's a great deal. Yeah. And again, ask the things is it appropriate for your skin type? Is it, you know, the appropriate device? Are you going to have the same results? And if they want to go and do that, then, then by all means, we all love a good deal when we yeah. can find it. Kind of a, at our practice, we do, uh, you know, pride ourselves on using the, the top quality products that we can buy on the market and um, that we have safety protocols in place for every single thing that we do there. And we're all involved. So um, as the medical director, I'm not, uh, you know, removed or, you know, out of touch. Clearly, Jerry's my husband. And so we talk about a lot of cases. Um, at night or any challenges and, and, and touch base with you on a very regular basis. And, um, you know, we're all skilled and, and able to handle those complications at, at, at our practice. Um, anything that you guys want to say, kind of final words on choosing your injector? Yeah. Um, anyone on social media probably has seen this. It's a, it's a, a Groupon is where she found it. Not saying that there's anything wrong with Groupon, but she's a Fitzpatrick five. Have you seen this? The Fitzpatrick five had a, a BBL, um, laser done by, a um, by a provider that wasn't familiar with the machine and she has got some permanent scarring to deal with and so um i watched like a little short interview with her and she's never it was never discussed with her about the risk for her skin type and so you know it it is your provider's responsibility to know how to work these machines or inject these products but also i think um we have as Patients, because we're all of us sitting here are patients, um, and I think it's our responsibility also to have some knowledge going into it about what questions to ask. Um, and so, you know, just do your homework. You wouldn't you wouldn't go and have a boob job without doing a little homework on that. And the same thing with some of these injectables. Again, ask questions. Your your injector should not 
in any way be defensive about their credentials or how they've learned to do these things. We um, also, you know, offer a lot of new technology. We're continually evaluating new injectables, new devices. And um, as we're doing this, like we're very transparent with the patient. We tell them, this is our first time doing this type of procedure, whatever it may be when we're evaluating it. So they know they're not coming in and expecting somebody that's done hundreds of those procedures. We're transparent and then we tell them all the risk. And sometimes they say, no, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. And that's fine. That's their right. So as long as they are fully informed of the risk and your credentials, you know, you enter into that agreement to treat them together. Thanks again for tuning in this week to another episode of Beauty in the Brain. We were so fortunate to have Allie with us today. You guys will be seeing her uh, frequently on our podcast, so we really love having her around and hope you learn as much from her as we do. Tune in next week for more hot topics. We'll see you soon.